So there are many different <clears throat> methods um, of practice that we can use, but really they all are there for the purpose of bringing our hearts to peace and to calm. Because it's the nature of our minds that when they come into contact with a sense object, they'll proliferate upon that and start thinking about the past or the future. So therefore, we should train our minds to have mindfulness um, centered and aware here in the present moment and to carry on with this practice until our thoughts lessen and lessen. And in the end, our hearts will come to a place of stillness and peace. So this is the point, the goal of our practice, is to bring about calm and stillness within our hearts. When our minds settle down, they'll feel very full of happiness. This pity or joy will arise. And this can express itself in many ways in our bodies or our perceptional feeling of the body. We may feel that the body expands or grows very tall. And there are um, a large number of different manifestations of um, joy within the body. But we should understand that this is just a consequence of pity. If any um, mental visions arise during this time, we shouldn't show any interest in them, but bring our mindfulness back to our meditation object, whether it's looking at the body or the mind, whether we're following the breath as it comes and leaves. These are all foundations um, there for us to recollect mindfulness. So all of these meditation objects are for that purpose of bringing about peace. And when we can bring up mindfulness, then the mind will settle down. At the start of our practice, it can be quite difficult to do this. And sitting in meditation can feel like a very arduous task. But Lumpur Cha, he said that even though we may feel very lazy um, and we won't want to do the practice, we should still go against those feelings. Remind ourselves that this is the time for us to sit in meditation, to develop mindfulness and to cultivate uh, feelings of kindness and to spread those to bring about peace and calm in our hearts. And if we do this regularly, then we'll get to the point where when it comes time for us to sit in meditation, then we'll just feel like we need to go and do it. The heart will want to do it. So if we meditate at a regular time every day, then the mind will by itself know the time for meditation and want to go there. The mind will know that if we can bring up mindfulness, then our hearts will calm down and we'll feel good and happy because of it. 
And it's a happiness that we don't get from other things. And before we meditated, we wouldn't have experienced that at all. So the objects of calming the mind, um, they lead on to discernment and wisdom. But it's also possible to use this wisdom to bring about peace and calm. And once the mind has settled down, then we come back and we contemplate once again. We use our wisdom again. And the mind will uh, know to an even deeper level than it did before what we call um, bhavana mayapanya, the wisdom that comes through this meditation practice and direct knowledge. We can contemplate into emptiness and seeing that this body is just empty, whether it's external bodies of animals, um, different beings, or just any physical thing out there, or whether it's these internal bodies, our own bodies, they're all a collection of elements, um, and they're all just empty. So when we contemplate using this emptiness as our object of recollection and of reflection, this is the practice of recollecting Nibbana, bringing up emptiness as the object of the mind. And we can also recite the word Nibbanang, Nibbanang, over in our hearts to remind ourselves of this nature of emptiness that all things external or internal are empty if the mind has energy at that point then when we contemplate into the body we'll be able to see it as being empty if we don't have great attachments at that time then we'll be able to do this contemplation with great success but if the mind is attached in various ways, if we're delighted over something or averse to something, then we need to solve those feelings of like or dislike first. And only then, once we've solved those, can we get on to this contemplation in a way that allows us to perceive the nature of emptiness. To see that there's no true being there's no self, there's no other within any of it. But if our minds are very caught in liking or disliking, if there's a lot of delusion that's holding the mind back, then it'll be difficult to contemplate in a way that allows us to um, see emptiness. But we should try to use this as an object of our contemplation just as Venerable Moggaraja did. He asked the question of the Buddha, um, how can I uh, practice so death won't see me, death won't find me? And the Buddha said that, Moggaraja, you should contemplate emptiness. And in that way, death, the Lord of death, won't be able to find you. And through this contemplation, he attained to the state of Arahant. So, if there's a strong sense of self, then there'll also be a lot of suffering that arises in the heart. And the suffering comes up because our minds are attached. 
So therefore we should use this contemplation to um, let go of those attachments and bring the heart to peace and allow wisdom to arise. And wisdom that knows truth as it is. Contemplating seeing all things as being empty. Looking at the body, seeing it in terms of a collection of elements or seeing its unattractive nature. When we follow these objects of reflection or investigation, in the end, it will bring us to realize the state of not-self in these things. So this is the bhavana mayapanya, the true knowing that comes through the practice. Seeing into anatta, not-self. Or another way that we can go about it is if our samadhi is very firm and stable, then we just need to instruct our minds to tell them that the mind is not self. And uh, our hearts will believe that. And Lumpur Cha, he said this is a valid way of practicing. So there are two ways of going about it. We should um, understand this well that there are these two methods of practice. And neither is faster or slower than the other. Um, and both are just the right ways, the middle way, because they both um, accomplish the noble path that the Buddha taught. So when I stayed at Wat Nombapong, Lumpur uh, Cha's monastery, there wasn't a huge amount of teachings that went on. And there wasn't great details into the methods of the practice. But what was emphasized was just having mindfulness. Nupucha taught us that whenever we went into our huts or we left our huts, then we should bow. When we went into the meditation hall, we should bow first. Or we went to go into our teacher's hut, then we bow first. And it's a good way of training ourselves in mindfulness to bring about collection and uh, reflection in our mind to recollect this and also to reduce our ego and conceit. There was also importance placed upon the collection of our body and speech within the bounds of morality and within the Vinaya discipline, the monastic code. So when our body and speech is restrained and collected, then this is the practice of morality. So for the lay people, this involves keeping the five precepts. And when we do this well, then even though our minds still may have greed, hatred, and delusion, and that's natural for it to be that way, still they'll have that restraint within the bounds of morality. And it'll be easier then for us to cultivate um, peace and develop samadhi. So moving on from this stage of sila or morality, then we train ourselves in collecting and um, making our minds grounded and firm. We try doing a lot of sitting meditation, walking meditation, and we also have to sacrifice as well for the practice to eat less than we might normally eat and sleep less than, normally, than we normally would. And also for all the lay people, they've sacrificed a lot 
sacrifice their time to come to the monastery and make donations and offerings. People come from uh, far and wide to come here in order to make offerings and to support the monastery. Some of the lay people have relatives, children or grandchildren who have ordained um, here. And so they're willing to put in that extra effort to travel from afar. Many people come from Bangkok to um, come here so that they can see their relatives who have ordained and to um, support them to make offerings. So the heart, when it's in this state, when it's able to sacrifice like this and has this energy to travel so far and to give up, is a meritorious heart. And when the hearts are meritorious in a state of goodness, then we can do all of these things. We can wake up early, we can um, sacrifice our time in order to travel all the way here. And so when we have children, grandchildren, relatives who have ordained as monks, then this helps to pull the rest of the family into the buddhasasana, into this way of practice as well. And sometimes it's the case that uh, the parents um, may be very busy and have not much time at all. But when their children ordain, they still find the time to um, come to the monastery. And some of the parents are able to follow their children on Bindabad every single day, even though they don't have much time. So this helps to, to pull the family in. And they can um, be an example for their parents, and their parents follow along. And when we have relatives who have ordained, then this becomes a cause for the whole family to experience happiness and joy, to um, cultivate goodness. This goodness and the, um, the benefit that comes from having children or grandchildren who have ordained in the Bodhisattva. And this then means that the whole family becomes relatives of this Buddhist religion as well. So at the time of the Buddha, there was King Bimbisara, and he really wanted to be a relative of the Buddhist religion. But he didn't have any um, sons or grandchildren who were willing to ordain. But finally, there was um, a relative of his who did go and ordain. And he was overjoyed by this because he finally felt like he was a relative of the Buddhasasana. He felt very close to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And he, was, he could also give his Anamodana, his um, rejoice, rejoicing in the, the relative who had ordained. And so for all of us, when we rejoice in someone's ordination, then we too take part in the goodness of that action. So to come and practice the Dhamma, what this means is that we come to give rise to a knowledge. And the knowledge that 
we are after is knowledge about things that really we should know already. So this body and mind, or form and name, physicality, mentality, we really should know about these things already. Our bodies are sitting here and we have our minds here with us. So the Buddha taught that these are the objects that we should reflect upon. Whenever we experience any sense object, then the mind goes and runs after it because it's filled up with delusion and ignorance. And it's been stuck in this realm of ignorance for a very long time, which causes us to go and attach to everything, to give rise to this view of self. So therefore, we should take these minds that are deluded and develop understanding and change, transform our wrong views into right views. So we um, look and we ask ourselves, why is it that um, we go and attach to these forms, seeing them as being um, self? Or we can look into the things that we hear. So when we hear praise, then we feel delighted. When people insult us or criticize us, then we feel saddened by that. And this is all just the mind attaching to the sense objects it experiences. And even though we have these feelings, we should try not to allow the heart to get involved in anger or ill will. And sotapanas, they still feel anger at times, but they don't go so far as letting the mind um, be overcome by ill will or wish to harm other beings. So we should train our minds and train our minds to know in line with truth, to know the nature of the world. And if we don't do this, if we just are born into this world and we become deluded by it and we just run after the things of the world, then we've wasted a life. So the days and nights are passing by, passing by. And if we don't practice, then they're passing by in a way that just passes goodness by as well. So we should always have dana and sila, this generosity and morality with us all the time. Um, they're within our hearts and collecting our body and speech with the morality. We then work at just bringing the heart to purity from freeing it from delusion by um, developing samadhi and wisdom. And in the beginning, this cultivation of samadhi is something that's quite difficult. But if we carry on and persist and we do it every day, then eventually we will reach this happiness and fullness of heart. Whenever we experience any strong moods, then we should contemplate and allow, in a way that allows us to resolve those emotions, whether it's hate or love or fear that we're experiencing. We, if our minds have strength and we're skilled, then we can relieve our hearts from that and bring our minds to emptiness. Before, maybe we were someone who got angry very easily, but as we carry on with the practice, this anger will lessen and lessen. Or maybe we were very greedy, 
but then as we carry on, um, this creed will diminish. If we have a lot of greed, then we can contemplate death and ask ourselves, why would we want to be greedy of the things of this world if we have to leave it all behind anyway? And even though this greed is there, we still keep it within the bounds of morality. So when we contemplate like this, then um, goodness arises in our lives and in our hearts. And our hearts develop from being that of a human to that of a deva. And if they lose energy, then maybe they fall down into the human world again. And then we pull them back up into the deva realm. And we carry on doing this, carry on creating this good karma until we come to understand the true nature of the Dhamma, seeing all physicality and mentality is not self. We'll then gain a firm faith and belief in the teachings of the Buddha. And this comes from having seen the truth of these for ourselves. So we cultivate our hearts and we just carry on doing this steadily, uh, carry on with this practice. And then one day we will come to understand the Dharma. So we just look and follow up on our minds, knowing what's going on within them. It's also appropriate at times to really torture ourselves. And these are practices that the monks can take up to fast or to go without sleep. And why is that? It's because these practices help to reduce the thoughts in our minds, to bring about peace and help us to overcome the hindrances. So when we practice in a way that's consistent and we gather our minds together and we do this consistently, then we will experience this peace. Monks have a very good opportunity because the lay people have provided all the necessities for us to live. So we have the time to seek out and find the truth, to bring about peace and stillness in our minds. So having this opportunity, we should use it well. There are some monks who have come to ordain for one month or three months, and this is a great blessing. And there's a lot of goodness that arises from this. It's a very um, opportune period to train our hearts, to um, understand the nature of the mind. And it's normal that uh, when we come to ordain, then the mind will still be quite worldly. And so the analogy is just like a log that's sitting in water for a long time. And when you come to take it out of the water and put it on a bank, it still won't catch fire because it's dripping wet. So you have to wait and leave it on the bank. And over time, it'll dry out and it'll get become easier to catch on fire. And so it's the same for the mind, that even though we've come to ordain, still... Um, there are these tendencies that we developed in lay life of finding pleasure in sense objects. And the mind will still go to think about those different forms of sensuality. But we can ask ourselves, well, if if the sensuality is so good, why is it that when I think about it, it causes me to suffer? 
So we see that this happiness, this type of happiness is a cause of stress and of pain. So we train, we come to train ourselves in the Dhamma. And it's important to understand that all the methods of this are to bring about peace of mind. The Buddha, in one of his, or many of his previous lives, um, while he was a bodhisattva developing his paramis, in many of those lives he um, was a king. And he had the great wealth of a king. But he could still relinquish that, give it up, give it all away, and give up his title, relinquish the throne, in order to go off and find seclusion in the forest to develop jhana, the absorptions. And he did this for countless lifetimes in order to develop his paramitas. So those who have had the opportunity to ordain for one month or three months, maybe for one reigns, there's great benefit and goodness that comes from this. And it can be very difficult for lay people to find the time to sincerely practice and um, to train mindfulness. To see how the mind that goes and attaches to me and mine, that sees this mind as being self, or that sees body or the physicality as being mine, is the cause of suffering. And there's also the suffering that awaits us in the future, that of old age, sickness and death, the pain that comes from separation, that comes from being attached to a world that is inconstant and not sure. So the Buddha taught us that we should not be heedless, but rather we should try our best to create as much good karma as we can while we have the time to create this virtuous, these virtuous actions of body, speech, and mind. And this is the correct way of solving our old negative karma. But it's not the case that we're able to, to destroy that old karma that we've made, those bad actions. We'll have to receive the results of that because we've already created the causes for those results to arise. But the appropriate way of solving that or negating that old negative karma is to create as much goodness as we can, to bring the heart to a state of purity. So we should contemplate and um, bring our mindfulness um, to a very firm point and constantly cultivate and develop our minds to higher states. And we do this in line with the teachings of the Buddha. And so may all of you uh, grow in blessings. <laughs>